That was the gun barrel and pre-title sequence from The Living Daylights. Music composed by John Barry. Welcome to uh, 
another edition of What's the Score. I'm your host, Frank Wilson, and I'm delighted to have you with us today. I think you're in for a real treat. Uh, we have a lot of different sounds, if you will, uh, from the movies today, and I want to start off with a, an interesting one that's still in the spy genre, like the James Bond cue you just heard. This is from the uh, Ipris file, uh, a 1965 film that uh, was one of the films that helped put Michael Caine on the map. Uh, after he was successful in a film called Zulu, he did this film about a uh, kind of an ordinary spy, if you will, Harry Palmer, that started a series of films with Harry Palmer. Uh, the Ipcris file was really different from the James Bond series and the fact that this was about an ordinary spy who lived an ordinary life uh, but it was a very dark and sinister world of Eastern Europe that was trying to be conveyed in the music that Barry composed for it. It uh, really made it interesting because the effects were really sinister and uh, striking, very urgent. Um, and it had a, an overall feeling of darkness that you would associate with Eastern Europe in the mid-60s. And he did this through using a harp and flutes, but uh, most notably an unusual Hungarian instrument called the cymbalum. Uh, Barry was known for incorporating unusual sounds or different instruments into his scores. Uh, he's one of the first to use a Moog synthesizer uh, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, he was the first to record digitally uh, for a soundtrack for the Black Hole. And so this score is no different by using this Hungarian instrument that was really unique uh, and other composers followed after his use of it because they could see the value of having such a unique sound. Uh, follow along with me, if you will, and listen to this uh, cue from the Ipcris file. It's the main titles, music composed by John Barry.
John Barry is certainly known for many film scores throughout his career. Uh, although certainly James Bond is one of them and creating kind of the spy sound, but he wasn't the only composer that was able to kind of capture that essence of a spy or mystery type of sound for films. As I mentioned in our last show, uh, you almost can't talk about movie scores without talking about Henry Mancini. What a fabulous talent this man was. Uh, and he was revered by his peers as being a first-rate film composer. Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough in your career when you compose music for films, if you're lucky enough you have a film that allows you to create a theme that is iconic that as soon as people hear it they'll know exactly what the film was about and it will connect them back to that film into perhaps pleasant memories of watching it or knowing what it was all about and this is an example of exactly that uh, in 1963 uh, Henry Mancini, who already had a working relationship with Blake Edwards, uh, collaborated uh, on the film Pink Panther with Peter Sellers. Uh, now, everybody knows that music. Uh, and it's worth bringing up on one of our first shows because it is iconic. It is one of those themes that everybody instantly knows it, whether it's because they watch the Pink Panther films or even the Pink Panther cartoons. Uh, everybody knows the theme, and it's a fabulous jazz piece that uh, is timeless. You can listen to it, and it feels just as fresh today as it did when it was first recorded in 1963. Here's the main theme from the 63 film, uh, Blake Edwards' Pink Panther, music composed by Henry Mancini.
Sometimes what looks on paper to be a great narrative, a great story, and the visuals that are painted, you might think, oh, this is going to be a great film. This next score that we're going to play is from a film I must admit I've not seen. Uh, so far be it for me to pass judgment. However, I will tell you that I'm not the only one that didn't see it. Unfortunately, there were a lot of people that didn't see it. And yet I suspect that the film was elevated, as I've mentioned before, by an excellent score by John Barry. Um, Ruby Cairo was a movie that was uh, released in 1992, starred Andy McDowell and Liam Neeson. You know, two good co-stars. Sounded like a good idea at the time. But um, for some reason, just never had any kind of commercial success. And yet the the score is just fabulous. Uh, I can visualize a lot of things in listening to it uh, that are happening in the film. And I do still want to see it one day. Uh, memory fails me at the moment. I know it also was released under a different title. Perhaps one of my listeners can remind me of that. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you agree to be a part of a project and uh, it's not going to be as great as you thought it would be. And John Barry was, especially later in his career, very particular about what he would choose to do. He had to really believe in the project. And yet we'll demonstrate in future episodes that I think sometimes he just did, did, uh, did movies just for the money. Who doesn't? Uh, who doesn't sometimes just do a job for the money? Uh, but this is a case where it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know what was wrong with the film, but there is certainly nothing wrong with the score. Here's the main title from the film Ruby Cairo. Music by John Barry.
Have you ever seen a movie where you wanted to stand up and cheer? Something that stirred deep emotions inside of you, proud of where you're from and what your country stands for. We have an international audience, but for those of you that live in America, what I'm about to play for you is quintessential American music. It's American and presidential and heroic. And I wish I knew the musical terms to explain why it is that way, but it truly is. It's a great example of how music can really elevate a film and the emotions behind it. Uh, we're about to play the main theme from a film called Air Force One, starring Harrison Ford, where he played the President of the United States and Air Force One was hijacked and, quite frankly, the President himself, without the help of Secret Service or security guards or anything like that, kind of takes it upon himself to uh, save the day. And it's the music is just stirring and just fabulous. It's another wonderful cue from the maestro Jerry Goldsmith. So uh, join me in uh, listening to the main titles from Air Force One, music by Jerry Goldsmith. Sticking with the uh, hero theme, there's another piece of stirring, uh, stirring music that I'd like to play for you. Uh, it's an overture from a 1978 film called The Wild Geese. It's about mercenaries in Africa. Uh, very well done. Had a sterling cast with uh, people like Richard Burton and Roger Moore and Richard Harris. Uh, 
Uh, a film that had a lot of action in it, to be sure, but also had some good messages in it as well. It was uh, enhanced a great deal by the score by Roy Budd, who had uh, had several successes with film scores in the 70s. Uh, another film that comes to mind is Sea Wolves, and I think he also did uh, North Sea Hijack as well. He has a certain style, and it really fits... That style really fits the type of film that we're talking about here with The Wild Geese. This is a, an overture from that, so it gives you a sampling of a, a little bit of the score from uh, different parts of the movie. Uh, and I think you'll find it uh, stirring as well. So here is a, an overture from The Wild Geese, composed by Roy Budd. We've, uh, not by choice necessarily, it's just kind of worked out that way. We've got another 
kind of a hero theme coming up here. Uh, a great film that was made in 1963 that had, again, an amazing cast. I mean, listen to this. Steve McQueen, James Gardner, Charles Bronson, James Coburn. And the names go on. Maybe you know the movie. It's called The Great Escape. Um, this was a movie about uh, Allied airmen that were in a prison camp deep within Germany and how they executed a mass breakout from that prisoner of war camp. And the music certainly helps communicate that message a great deal. Listen to this classic score uh, written by a gentleman who is, oh goodness, has written so many different uh, film scores and many, many mem memorable ones. Uh, and this one from The Great Escape, composed by Elmer Bernstein. watched movies in the 60s and 70s and before that had obviously seen a John Wayne film and was a big fan and he was a special person a special actor I, truth be told he no matter what the movie was and what the character's name was or background or whatever John Wayne was always playing John Wayne but that was okay because we liked it and there are many iconic films that he had done but it was interesting how he uh, took an interest in one particular story so much in fact that not only did he want to star in it he also wanted to direct it the film was called the alamo um 
it was a an epic film that had uh, what in those days was called a roadshow showing uh, in cinema in the 60s, 50s and 60s, I believe. Roadshows were special prints of the movie that were uh, not only, I think, in 70 millimeter, but also had stereo soundtracks, which was a big deal in those days. Uh, and the roadshow would also have uh, an overture of the music before the movie started. And so if you were ever lucky enough to be in a city where they would have a roadshow print in a theater that could handle it, you, know, you always took advantage of that. And in some cases, the uh, consequent uh, releases of these films on video, some of the roadshow prints survived, uh, and you were able to enjoy them as they were shown originally. And the Alamo is one of them. I believe if you do watch it on DVD, I think it's available on Blu-ray, I'm not sure. Uh, it's a roadshow print, I believe, that they use, and it has the overture that we're going to play for you now uh, from the film uh, The Alamo. The film was uh, released in 1960, and as I mentioned, already starred John Wayne, but also had Richard Widmark, Richard Moon, Frankie Avalon, uh, and uh, Wayne's son Patrick, as well as uh, other stars as well. Uh, it was, as you can guess, about Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and how they were trying to help the Texans defend a fortified mission against the advancing armies of the Mexicans. Uh, you know the story, but maybe you don't know the score. So here's an opportunity to hear the overture from the Alamo, uh, released in 1960, uh, and music composed, and please forgive me, I may pronounce this wrong, uh, by the Russian-American composer Dmitry Tiomkin. Uh, Tiomkin, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, a very accomplished uh, film score writer who did a numerous amount of films as well. Uh, and I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy this one. He was not only the composer for this, but uh, other great films like *The Guns of Navarone*, 55 Days at Peking*, uh, *Circus World*, all sorts of different movies that you probably have seen uh, at one time or another. So enjoy this overture from *The Alamo*, 1960.
A few years after Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, uh, and a particular TV star was starting to gain fame, it became known that uh, potentially he was actually one of the first choices to play Indiana Jones and had turned it down. And it was only because he turned it down that uh, Harrison Ford got the role. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't honestly know, but the story yet is very intriguing. The person I'm talking about is Tom Selleck, who at the time uh, was uh, a big star on television for a show called Magnum P.I. The story goes that he had been offered the role of Indiana Jones, and for whatever reason he had turned it down, didn't work out, and I think it was uh, something that he obviously had regretted. And so he tried to duplicate that success by playing a character that was somewhat similar in a film that had some of the same qualities as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Didn't have nearly the same production value, but it was a well-put-together film, an interesting story of adventure. It wasn't an archaeologist or anything like that. It was really kind of more just a an airplane pilot who was always looking for his next job between bottles of booze. Uh, he played the character rather effectively. Uh, and I think that John Barry, the composer that was chosen for the project, did the film justice and gave it that kind of a sweeping, epic sound that was fitting for a, an adventure and romance and exotic faraway locations. What I'm going to play for you is a, a special bonus track from the very rare CD of the soundtrack of uh, High Road to China, which is the name of the film. Uh, this will give you a kind of a feel and a flavor for some of the different cues that were used all throughout the movie. Uh, it's a good representation of it. And I think you'll see the epic nature of it and the, the romance and the adventure that ensued during this movie. Now, if you haven't seen it, I, I wholly recommend it. Uh, Tom Selleck did a fine job. Would he Would he have made a good Indiana Jones? Eh, maybe. But who on earth could replace Harrison Ford at this point? I don't think you could really even try to make that comparison. Anyway, the film's a joy, and more importantly for our show, so is the score. So here is a, a, a selected suite of cues from the film High Road to China. Music composed by John Barry.
piece today is uh, from a film in 1985 called The Falcon and the Snowman. I remember seeing this and just falling in love with some of the music that was in it, particularly the end titles. And lo and behold, it was performed and composed by the Pat Metheny group, which is known as a jazz group or new age group, I guess, if you will, but the sound was just fabulous. And I thought it really went perfectly with the end of the film. So I think it's a good place for us to end our visit today by listening to the end titles from The Falcon and the Snowman performed by the Pat Metheny Group.
You've been listening to What's the Score with Frank Wilson. Please join us next time for another journey into the wonderful world of film music. Till then, so long.